The Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is brought to you by Blue Pineapple Travel. Blue Pineapple Travel are experienced travel agents who help you design the perfect trip. They're all well-traveled and knowledgeable, and they will be your advocates from start to finish. The world is a lot different these days, and the agents at Blue Pineapple Travel are ready to help you safely navigate it. From helping you figure out the conscientious destinations to helping you figure out entry protocols for different countries, the agents at Blue Pineapple Travel are there for you. Looking to work abroad for an extended period of time? Looking to attend virtual school from a remote location? These are all things that Blue Pineapple Travel can help you do. Again, their website is bluepineappletravel.com. The Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is also brought to you by ITL Coaching and Performance. You can find them at itlcoaching.com. ITL Coaching and Performance exists to build a community of athletes set on reaching goals and serving the community. They have a passion for helping people achieve their goals and dreams. ITL coaches are real people with phones, emails, and the desire to spend time with you during your training. They are vested in their ITL athletes. ITL takes a communal approach to coaching, so there's always someone available to answer questions and to help adjust your training schedule. An ITL coach will be glad to meet with you and to chat about your goals and find the best plan to help you meet those goals. Again, their website is itlcoaching.com. And finally, the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is also brought to you by SlayRx. You can find those good folks at www.slayrx.com. Are you needing a pleasant spark to take your endurance game to the next level? Are you needing an all-natural, high-quality, customized hydration powder with or without sugar to stave off cramping and dehydration? Are you in need of an effective all-in-one fuel to slay your endurance efforts? Look no more. SlayRx. SlayRx has a really good line of products to serve our most pleasant exhaustion podcast listeners. Let's start with Michelle's favorite, Spark Plug, which replaces sports gel and gross post-race strips to the Porta Johns. It's a poppin' electrolyte powder in small, easily carried tubes. There's also an all-in-one endurance fuel. It has all of your electrolytes, clean fuel, and for no extra cost, your essential amino acids with or without caffeine. And it costs about one-third as much as other brands' combo rocket fuels. Finally, they have my favorite, SlayRx Hydrate Powder, which comes with or without sugar and varying strengths of electrolytes based on your individual needs. They can find those individual needs on the free quiz online at SlayRx.com or with in-person testing like Patrick and I did at their headquarters on podcast episode number 114. Hydrate is the fuel that I use during the Blue Ridge Relay this year, and I recommend it for all of you as well. SlayRx products are 100% natural, come in great flavors, are vegan friendly, and the Hydrate Light is keto friendly. They've all been well researched and developed by a UGA food scientist who's also an Ironman athlete. The products are tested by the pros and endorsed by your fellow endurance athletes and hardworking folks in the community. The free sweat quiz and their products can be found at SlayRx.com, on Amazon.com, or at your local run and bike shop if it's available. You can use the code PLEASANT21 for 10% off at their website. Thanks to SlayRx for sponsoring us, y'all. Give them a try. We appreciate our sponsors, and thanks to all of them for helping us bring you the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast brought to you by ITL Coaching Performance, Blue Pineapple Travel, and Slay RX. My name is George Darden. I'm an endurance athlete and coach here in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm a father of twin boys and I'm a college professor. My name is Michelle Frank. I'm also an endurance athlete in Atlanta, Georgia. I am a CPA and I am a mom to three girls. And we have a very special guest with us on the podcast today. Michelle, tell us who's with us. So we have Patrick Benanda here. We call him Pat. 
Um, personally, he's the reason why I ever ran my first marathon uh, back in Callaway Gardens in 2011. And I love that Pat was sort of an endurance athlete, marathon runner, uh, Ironman, ultra runner extraordinaire before it, you know, became, I don't know, trendy. Uh, he was doing this stuff back in the nineties and has all the experience and all the great stories. He ran across the United States back in 2019. And we had a bit of a send-off party for him, me and all the other well, I call them the old people that I love to run with, but <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. That's perfect. <laughs> it is perfect. So, um, and we never really reconvened to hear about it. Um, Pat got back in late 2019 and then I guess COVID kind of hit and I'm not sure why we haven't had him on the podcast, but I thought there was nobody I wanted to talk to more for our 200th episode. Welcome, Pat. Well, thank you. I'm glad to be here. I'm surprised she didn't say, and He's the reason why I almost quit running. <laughs> yeah, that's that's also very true. <laughs> Pat, can you tell us a little bit just kind of how you got into running? Um, a little bit about yourself and, you know, what brought you to running back in the day? Well, uh, okay, so this goes back a long, long, long way. I've been running for, oh, gosh, uh, I started running in earnest in the mid 70s. And, uh, but the reason why I ran it all was uh, I love sports. Ever since I was a little kid, I just loved participating in sports of any kind. And uh, so what happened is I, I basically uh, played a lot of different kinds of sports. Most of them had running involved in it, uh, but I never uh, thought of myself as a runner up until uh, in, I was in college. Uh, it was 1976. I came home one day. My roommates were laughing on TV, watching TV, and I walked in the room and said, what do you think? What, what's, what's so funny? And they were pointing at the TV and said, look, there's a bunch of guys that look just like you. <laughs> and it was the guys running the Olympics, the marathon. And I just looked at the TV. I stared at it for a moment and I said, I, said, I can do that. And they just laughed harder and harder. And I said, no, I'm going to do that. And the next day I went out and I ran just a few miles and I was hooked. And so I ran my first marathon in 1978. I ran Chicago. Um, not good. But <laughs> <laughs> I, I, when I got done, I thought, you know, my, all my friends were like so proud. And they thought, wow, you did it. So you, you got that done now. And I thought, no, I'm not done. I, I got to do more. I've got to run it faster. I've got to run it better. I didn't do it the way I wanted to do it. And I just got more and more into it. Uh, this was at a time when there wasn't much information about how do you go about doing this. There were a couple of books out there, a couple of magazines that you could read. But um, uh, it was pretty much on my own. I had to learn everything. I, you know, how much do I drink? How much do I eat? Uh, there was nothing to point me in whatever direction, but I just 
by um, just trying things out, I learned how to run. And I just found that I loved it. Just did it every day, thought this is what I want to do. And I loved it so much that when I uh, finished school, <laughs> I decided, well, if I got to get a job, I'm going to get a job in a nice warm place where I can <laughs> run year round. And that's why I ended up in Georgia because I <laughs> grew up in Michigan. Uh, and that's really the, the big thing that drove me forward was my running. It hmm. propelled me to come to Georgia to look for a job here rather than back in Michigan. And, uh, and I found I really loved it here because now there were hills. Mm -hmm. It was like, this is awesome. I get hills. <laughs> <laughs> I really, I just found that I loved running on the hills. It was, it was so much better than running on a flat surface. Um, and I, you know, over the years, things kind of evolved. You learn, uh, that you know it's not only about how fast can i do it but how far can i go and um so tell us a little bit about that if you ran your first road marathon in 1978 in chicago what was the trajectory to figuring out how far i can go how far you can go yeah so um i ran i can i continued trying to train for marathons and then in like uh 1980 uh, I heard about uh, the Ironman, and that kind of piqued an interest in me because that included cycling and swimming, and I loved those sports. I wasn't any good at them, but I loved them. <laughs> and I was reaching a point with my running where I thought, I'm not going to get a whole lot faster. I, I ran my fastest marathon in 1981. I ran a 248. And, uh, you know, with all the work that I was putting in, I thought, you know, I don't know how much faster I can get. Uh, I didn't have a coach. I didn't know what to, how to judge what my potential was. But I thought, you know, this thing with the uh, Ironman, that sounds interesting because I wouldn't have to run it a marathon really fast, but I thought, I. I might be able to do well in this. So uh, 1982, I ran, did my first uh, triathlon. Uh, and in 1983, I got real serious, really started training and doing some cycling and some running and swimming. And I uh, did my first Ironman and uh, really struggled through that. But I thought, you know, uh, I think I could do this even better if I wanted to, and I worked at it. But the problem with that was it took up so much time. I just, uh, I found myself, <laughs> I'd be at work uh, and I'd find myself staring into the computer and my head would just be dropping. And I'd <laughs> <laughs> my head would be on the keyboard and I'd be like, oh, I'd look around and make sure nobody saw me because I was, I was training all the time. And uh, it, uh, my friend and I got together and decided we were going to do something different. And uh, 
that's when I we planned on doing this. Uh, I did a a figure eight of uh, North America on a bicycle, thirteen thousand miles. We did that in six and a half months. I did it actually. I was I was the only one that finished. But that really opened up things. It really kind of changed my view of endurance, what I could do, what I couldn't do. It really opened up my mind to uh, all kinds of things of like, what would it be like to run across the country? What would it be like to swim some great distance? And uh, it it just kind of changed my trajectory right there. Um, but the problem with taking on things like that is you've got to have the logistics to put it all together. And it's hard when you've got a life going on at the same time, (laughs) (laughs) you know, you get, you get, you get get a regular job. I had a regular job I had to go to. Um, I had actually changed careers when I got back from the bike trip. So I I was in, I was in school again, working on my master's, became a counselor, uh, got married, and all this other stuff ensued. And so the really long distance stuff got put on hold. I still did a lot of ultra marathons. I did some triathlons for a while, did another Ironman in 89. But in the back of my head, there was always these things like, I really want to do some more long distance, really long distance stuff. And my wife and I talked about it when we first met, but we always knew it was going to have to be at a time when the life's all the life pressure of life wasn't pulling on both of us at the same time. So um, 2018, my wife, came up to me and said, I think it's time we go and do this run across the country. And I thought, are you kidding me? You really want to do this? And she said, yeah, I do. Yeah, she wasn't kidding. (laughs) No, she wasn't. And that's the beauty of my wife is that she's so supportive of, of everything I do. And she was always there for me whenever I did an ultra marathon or anything. So I said, okay, well, I'm going to, I'm going to get ready. And I started training in 2018, 2019 rolled around. We sold our house, quit jobs, bought an RV, drove up to Delaware and started the run. So what did that look like in 2018 when you shifted your training to prepare to run across America? Oh, wow. It's, I had to really think about what what was it going to be like uh, to do this. And I realized the only way I could do this was I'd have to get really slow. There was no way I was going to be able to run like I do my ultra marathons and be okay the next day to go out and do it again and then do it again the next day and then do it again the next day because I'd be, my body just wouldn't pull it off. I wasn't going to be able to just run it like a race. So I decided I'm going to learn 
as hard as it is for me to really slow down to, to the pace I had to do, I figured I have to do it because otherwise I'm going to wake up. My legs are going to be so tight and I'm going to be so tired. I'm not going to be able to pull it off. So every day I would go out and I'd go <laughs> so slow. It almost looked like I was like crawling, but I, I got myself to a pace where I felt, okay, I can do this every day. So it was 15 minute miles, wow. which is, which is really, really slow. And, but it was the only way that I knew that I could, I could feel okay the next day. Cause if I did it, if I started trying to really run fast, it, it, I, I paid the price for it the next day. And when you plan on running for about a hundred days, you can't, you can't afford that. So well, that was my plan. I ran 20 miles a day, sometimes a little bit more than that. But I figured if I can just get that base in of about 20 miles a day, I'd be okay to go to do 30 miles a day. I could probably run more, uh, but there was also the fact that I had, I, I thought about it and I thought, well, Terry's going to be there. She's got to be able to drive this RV and take care of everything else at the same time. And I didn't want to stress her out because it was going to be difficult for her anyway. It turned into this, Terry handled everything <laughs> except the running. That's all I had to do was run. And that's made it so much easier for me because um, she, she was great. She drove the RV. Uh, she had to fix things on the RV that we've never fixed before <laughs> because RVs break. She had to deal with food. She had to deal with finding a place to stay at night. Where do you get gas? Where do you, all kinds of things. And uh, it was like, I was so glad she was, uh, she was there because it, she handled everything as well as it could be handled. I don't, I, I don't make it across the country without her. Sure. So, um, so you sold your house, got yes. the RV, and headed to Delaware in 2019. Right. And what? Took a picture saying I'm on the East Coast of America and <laughs> just started running. I mean, how much, you know, what did the logistics look like? How much was planned beforehand in terms of the route versus what did you have to kind of change? as you began your trek across the United States. Yeah. So we, I was just, Terry and I were talking about this this past week. We had a map as big as a wall in our, in her office. It was, it was huge. It took up the whole wall and we would just stare at that map and we would look and say, okay, what, what's the best way to do this? And one of the things we were trying to do was connect all the bicycle trails, use bicycle trails as much as possible. And so we would get books and we'd get articles or whatever we could find out and try to look and see where could we connect up these bicycle trails. Now there, theoretically, you can, there is a, a route for bicycle trails that goes across the United States, theoretically. Yeah, I have those maps. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The reality is 
is that they don't necessarily connect all together very well. And when they talk about bicycle trails, they're talking about, well, here's a sign on a, on a road and this is the route you take. And you're not really on a bicycle trail per se, you're on a road just that happens to have a sign on it that's calling it a bicycle trail. So, and the bicycle trails are notorious for taking the long way. <laughs> They're all about, let's, what, this looks nice, let's go, let's turn right, go a mile out of the way, turn left, come back again, and then go back another way. And so instead of just going one mile straight, it's like three miles extra <laughs> to go the same mile. So that's typical of a bicycle trail. Um, so we were, but we were determined to try and get that to come as close as possible to taking that and still be able to maintain a, a, a try to do it in a, in a somewhere around a 3000 mile range 32 we figured when we finally got it all together before we left we thought 3200 miles and uh but we didn't have it we didn't have every mile planned out we because of my trip on the bicycle i i knew that you can't do it that way and be able to um do it perfectly or you'll you'll just freak out because what happens is you go down the road and then you find out oh i can't really go this way <laughs> on my first day i was going down a road in delaware and all of a sudden it starts going up on this bridge and as i'm going up the cars are coming down 55 60 miles an hour and and the shoulder starts to shrink. It goes from three feet to two feet to one foot. In the meantime, these cars are just zipping up and down this bridge. And I'm thinking, I am not going over this bridge with these cars and I have no place to run. And so I backed off the bridge and we immediately had to uh, plan a different route. So I ended up going all the way around, taking mileage all the way somewhere that took me off the bicycle route and ended up in a much better place, but it just was, uh, it was untenable to, to continue doing it exactly the way uh, the bicycle trail went. So, I knew that was going to be an issue at some point, somewhere along the way. I mean, we would, one point I was in West Virginia and I ran into something really similar to that. And I ended up going back, going to uh, railroad tracks, going across a bridge across the river on the railroad uh, trestle and uh, getting to the other side. Now, I was just lucky there wasn't anybody there and there were no trains. <laughs> because I'm going across a railroad trestle that, you know, it's illegal, but it was the best way to go. So um, things like that, you can't, you can't predict until you get there and then you start to see and like, mm, this isn't going to work. 
So you got to be really flexible about your route. And that, that's why our route ended up being 3,470 miles instead of 3,200. Um, what, what, what about your body? Did you have any unforeseen issues with your body along the way? A couple. A couple they're almost comical now. Um, Indiana, I was running along and um, Terry called me up and said, hey, you want to get off that busy road, take this road over here. It goes parallel, but it's much, uh, it's, a, it's, it's, much, it's much less busy. So I, I went that way, but it turned out that there was a fence between the road I was on and the road I had to get to. And I thought, well, I'll just jump the fence. Oh, gosh. <laughs> And that's when I jumped the fence, but I slipped and fell and I smashed my foot so hard that uh, I kind of limped for about a mile or two before Terry saw me. And I said, I think I broke my toe. <laughs> and she looked at it and she said, I think you broke your toe too. What? So we ended up in the emergency room, even though I thought they're not going to be able to fix anything. But they did give me a, a shot, which made me feel better. Um, and, uh, you know, we just, they pretty much confirmed there wasn't anything they could do to fix it. Um, did you so that tell the emergency thing. room people that you were trying to run across America? Yes, yes. They, don't, they were like, oh, that's great. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> they, they didn't, seem to, they didn't seem to comprehend what I was doing. You know, I've already been a thousand miles and they're, they're like, oh, uh, yeah. Um, they, you know, you're not bleeding. You're not having a heart attack. You know, here's your bill and we'll see you later. <laughs> uh, but uh, but that the other the other only other time that I really had a, a problem was um, back when I was in. Uh, I don't know if I was in Wyoming or Colorado because I was running along the border between the two. And for three days, I was running on this dirt road. Um, and, you know, you see wild animals and stuff out there. And you think, if I'm going to get attacked by a crazy wild animal, it's going to be out here on this dirt road where there's nothing else out here. It was just out in the middle of nowhere. And but nothing happened. And then I turn on to a paved road and I'm on my way to the city and I'm thinking, oh, I survived that. And then Terry calls me up about uh, a score of my football team that I was following. And as I was reading the, the text, I all of a sudden I hear this noise and I look down and it's a rattlesnake. Oh, gosh. And I. I was so startled, I fell backwards and uh, landed on my hand real awkwardly, just twisted myself. And I was like, oh man, I really, I did something to me. And my, I, so I called up Terry and I said, uh, I think you better come and see what I've done to myself. <laughs> <laughs> my hand was bleeding and my, I was, didn't feel right. My hips weren't right. Uh, but what I discovered later on, the worst thing was, even though I didn't hit my head, 
I caused the tooth to loosen. So on the bottom part of my teeth, one of my teeth loosened up. And I don't know how I did it. But after that, since I didn't have the ability to get to a dentist right away, I had to eat very soft foods. Terry would cut up my sandwiches into little bits so I would eat. And uh, I had to wait like a couple months before I could get the tooth looked at. So those are the two biggest issues I had. But I didn't, if you're thinking about things like blisters and sore knees yes or we're thinking normal broken bones or anything like that that was not an issue yeah i definitely was wasn't it. thinking about rattlesnake encounters <laughs> right exactly but that's more likely to happen than anything else you know at the very end probably the last couple of weeks i started getting a little bit like it felt like pins and needles on the bottom of my feet you know they were starting to really feel the 3,000 miles, but, um, you know, I, I thought my training was that the fact that I really was trying to do was to go in a, in a pace that I really wouldn't hurt myself in any way. And Terry made a really good uh, effort at trying to put me onto um, dirt roads and things like that. So it wouldn't be just con constantly on the pavement, pounding on the pavement over and over again. Now, I, to me, I don't really care where I run, but she would, she would get maps that you can't normally find, you know, county maps and figure out how she could find parallel roads and put me on those roads. So I was, uh, I ran a lot on soft surfaces. Uh, I think that helped a lot too. So we've gone Delaware to Indiana to Colorado. Where did you finish? What did you do after Colorado? Did you go down and oh, up or? Yeah, we went through um, Idaho into uh, Oregon and finished in Oregon. Finished okay. right on the coast of Oregon. So I'm looking, hold on. I'm looking at a map. I'm, I'm cheating a little bit. You can't get from <laughs> Colorado to Idaho without first going through either Wyoming or Utah. Okay. Let me, let me, uh, let me say this. Start in Delaware, going to Maryland, into yep. Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, Ohio, Indiana, okay. Illinois, Iowa. Nebraska, Wyoming, then Wyoming, Colorado, uh, back and forth. Okay. Then back into Wyoming, Idaho, Oregon. That's Does amazing. That make sense? Yeah. 13, I just followed you. States. You didn't cheat. Huh? <laughs> There's no cheating. I, I just followed that across the map. So. Okay. Okay. <laughs> What did it feel like to finish? So, I mean, you got to Oregon and, and you've been, I mean, not only the, the accomplishment of what you've just done and, and something that you've literally been looking forward to for 40 years, um, yeah. but, but you also have just kind of been in it for yeah. three months. 
Um, what did it feel like to, to finish and to no longer be trying to make forward progress across the United States? It's, it's weird. Uh, you know, it, in the beginning, you go out there and you're just trying to get used to it. You know, I kind of try to approach it like, okay, this is my job. This is what I do every day. I get up, I have breakfast, walk the dog. <laughs> then I get outside and I start running. And, um, and I do things along the way. I take a lot of pictures and stuff. But I basically, you know, I've got a, a goal in mind every day. I want to, where I want to be at the end of it. And, I, you know, so you, you kind of get into this groove. After a while, though, you, we reached a kind of a point where we thought, we really want to, we want to get closer. We want to get this thing complete. We really, we're trying to avoid bad weather in the mountains. And that's kind of what happened in Indiana is we reached a point when we were, we were looking at whether we should go north again and get on another real bicycle trail. And I, I just looked at Terry and said, if we keep going on bicycle trails, this, the weather is gonna be really bad in the mountains, snow, all kinds of stuff. And I said, I, I don't want to run through it. What time of year Pardon was me? it? What time of year was it? So when I'm in Indiana, it's summertime. Mm -hmm. But I know by the time we, if I'm looking at where we got to go, I'm thinking it's going to be October when we get to the mountains. And you can get really bad weather in October in the mountains. We got to get, we got to get across. And really there's, when you get out West, there's, there's really no good roads to take out West, very few roads. I mean, you here in Georgia, you can go East and West on all kinds of roads, but you get out West and you got like two roads, that's it. And they're not the straightest roads and it's gonna take time. Um, and I, and I just, I just looked at her and I said, I can't do this. I can't keep going on bicycle trails. We'll be, it'll be December by the time we finish. It'll be 5,000, it'll be over 4,000 miles. And I said, and that won't work. So uh, she was not happy with my decision, <laughs> but she, she realized it and she said, she said, you're right. We got to do this differently. And so I, I, I forced the switch there and we went on a straighter path, um, taking more roads than, you know, I think I got on one bicycle trail for a few miles the rest of the way, but it just happened to be along the way. Uh, and we just knew, I, we knew that it was not going to be good weather. And when we got to um, this one last pass in Oregon, we hit a nasty snowstorm and uh, winds blowing and the snow's coming down. It's really cold outside. And I'm going over this pass, Santiam Pass, and, and the cars are going every which way. And I'm, a, I'm not on, on a, a, a road with a wide uh, shoulder again. 
So I have to go on the other side of the guardrail and basically I have like a maybe a foot of gravel and then it's just this straight shot down to the bottom, a couple hundred feet. So I'm up there going across this pass and the weather, the wind's blowing and cars are going back and forth and I'm on this tiny little thing for I don't know how long. And when I was finished with it, I thought, I do not want another single day of this again. <laughs> I'm not, I, I am so glad that we took the shortest route because if we had to do that again and again and again, which we would have gone through the Rockies, um, I, I'm a weather weenie. I, that would not have gone over with me. So um, it worked out. That was the only really bad weather day that we had. But that's really what propelled me to put it. I started running more mileage above 30 miles um, in Idaho in order to get that done. And on the last day, I ended up running 37 miles. Um, and we were supposed to run, I was supposed to run like maybe 33 or 34 miles. And, and the Terry just kept coming to me and going, I think it's going to be longer. I think it's going to be 35 miles. And the next one is, I think it's going to be 36 miles. <laughs> and then she's like, well, we're going to go, we're going to finish here. So it's going to be a little bit longer than what I had planned. So <laughs> I'm like, okay, already, just tell me where to go and I'm going to go. And my last mile was the fastest mile of the whole trip. I ran under eight minutes that last mile because I was so pumped to be finished. I wanted oh to finish it so badly. Uh, but when we, I don't know if you know this, but Oregon, the whole coast is uh, public land. It's beautiful. And so you get there and she directed me to a place where it's all these sand dunes. And this is at the, I had to run fast because the, it was, if I didn't, I would have finished in the dark. And so when I get there, the sun is setting on the ocean. Um, I finished running. It's beautiful. And it was, I just, you know, I take off my shoes and I run into the ocean and it's like, there's no, there's no voices or anything. It's, it's just like this deep satisfaction of saying, this is it. I, I can't believe it. I, it's over for what I, I, I'm just, it's, I'm kind of blown away by it all. I, I didn't really know what to say or do. I didn't know how to, for the longest time, I was kind of numb. I was just trying to put it all together. And I, and I talked with other people who've done, you know, have gone across the country on foot and they pretty much say the same thing. They, it took a months to kind of come to the other side of it and look at it, the whole thing and say, what the heck did you do? You know, um, it's, it's, uh, it's more than just a, 
going out and running. It's it's achieving something that just uh, more than what what I what you expect. You know, um, I'm part of a really small club. You know, there's four thousand people who've climbed, climbed Mount Everest. There's only a few hundred that have actually run across the country. I mean, it's a really small club. And, you know, I think just about anybody could do it, but it's really, it's the commitment, seeing it all the way through to the end, that just, it, it kind of, um, I don't, I really don't know how to describe other than it, it's, it's a, it's an achievement that finally kind of sits in you and you go, now, I guess, I guess I am pretty different. I'm, there isn't, um, there's, there isn't that, uh, I, I hate to say this, uh, that I lacked confidence before this because I didn't, I had confidence in a lot of things. But just this feel, this confidence about myself, like I saw this through. I was able to do something that was much bigger uh, than anything else I could ever accomplish, and um, and that's some that's the kind of thing that just it gives you a different sense of yourself than if. Um, say, well, you know, like when I ran my first marathon, it was, it was great. You know, I was like, I, I accomplished this, but this was, this was way beyond that. And I don't know, I, I still like, I talk with Terry about this all the time. I don't know where this is going to land up in, in, in my life of, you know, how I'm going to um see myself but it it's 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 definitely uh a huge accomplishment that um i don't know i i <laughs> this is the kind of thing that i think when i talk with people who have done it say the same thing they just Actually, many of them want to go back out and do it again because no. they love that part of it, of that of finishing the whole thing and saying, wow, um, I pulled this off. It's, uh, it's just, it's, uh, it's kind of an amazing feeling. You know, I, I was listening to the guys that uh, went to outer space and they were like, they're saying that they, it's changed them. It's blown them away that they see the world in a different way. I kind of feel the same way. I see the world in a different way. And um, it's, I think, for the better. It's not, it definitely, for me, it was for the better. I'm glad I did it. I can't imagine where I'd be now had I just continued doing what I was doing. This is like a, a 
perfect thing. And I would recommend it to anybody. I really do think anybody with a normal, healthy body could probably do it if they want to. Um, it's okay, mostly about commitment. Let's talk that about commitment. that a little bit then. I mean, um, th and there's definitely a few kind of things I want to circle around to if we can, but, but let's talk about that. So, so you say that you believe that pretty much anybody with a normal, healthy body could do it. What advice would you give to people who wanted to take this on or even want to take on something merely as, as pedestrian yeah. as running across a state? Um, or like yeah. a multi-day state, an ultra stage oh, yeah. race or something, you know, or yeah. so, so what sort of things would you recommend for, for people who are looking to undertake one of these colossal achievements? Well, I would recommend, well, I guess the first thing is don't be, af don't be afraid. Throw the fear aside and say, okay, let's just assume that I can do this. Let's not pretend like, oh, this is going to be so too difficult, or if I, I'm not sure that I can pull off anything as grand as this, I'm just going to go with the assumption that I can do this. If I do that and I commit to doing it, then all I have to do is start working out the logistics. How do I want to go about doing this? You know, am I trying to set a record? I wasn't trying to set a record because I, I thought, okay, at my age, there's no way I'm going to be able to run. I'd have to run over 70 miles a day. Even if I could pull that off, the support that Terry could provide me, I think that would be unfair to her to try to help me try to do that because that's, that's a huge, huge undertaking. But if I'm a, somebody else and they can get the support to pull that off and they have the physical ability to do it, well, then go ahead and do it. Or if you think you, don't, you can only do 20 miles a day, well, then do 20 miles a day. But look at it and say, what is it I need to do to do this? Some people go across, run across the country pushing a cart with all their stuff in it. Some people, you know, uh, have a bunch of people helping them out. Um, it's just, it, that's logistics stuff. That's all logistics. If you can, all you have to do is say, okay, logistically, how do I want to take this on? It's one step after another in a certain direction I'm going to take. Either I'm going... I'm going to start in, you know, Savannah and finish in Seattle. Or where am I going to start? Where am I going to finish? How much time do I want to do it in? And let's let's start making it happen. And if I if I do that without continually interjecting doubts and and fears and all that other stuff, I'll figure it out. Anything can be figured out. But what holds us back is all our fears, all our doubts, people saying, oh, well, that's, what, why, why are you bothering to do this? And you start questioning yourself. You just have to push all that negative emotion aside and say, this is what I'm doing. I just got to figure out how to make it happen. Mm -hmm. You know, 
we knew along the way that there were going to be things that were going to happen that could derail us from this whole thing. We, we just figured, okay, along the way, if that happens, we'll deal with it. Resiliency is a big part of it. If you're resilient, you'll figure out how to get past whatever obstacle comes your way. You know, I could have said, well, heck, this is the route I picked. I can't get over this, this river right now. What am I going to do? I, I could have said, well, this isn't worth it. This is too much trouble. Let's just go home and we'll call it a day. But I just thought, I want to, I'm here to do a run across the country. I'm going to go up this way. I'm going to take a train trestle across the river. I don't care if it's illegal. I don't care if there's someone that's going to yell at me. I'm just going to do it. And I did. And the next thing you know, I'm on the other side and I'm on my way through a through town and I'm looking for the next thing. And that's all. It's it's just this keep in mind what the goal is. And push everything else aside and just say, whenever something comes up that looks like I'm going to have, have to deal with it, I'll deal with it, whatever that is. You know, the, we had the RV breakdown. We went and got it fixed. We didn't have any choice. We just had to go get it fixed. You know, uh, look for a place to stay wasn't always the easy thing to do. But we've always, we, we managed to find a place to stay every single night. Some nights it was in a Walmart parking lot. Some nights it was behind a big barn that nobody knew we were there. And we just parked the RV and hid away. Um, you know, but you just, it, it's, you got to go in with a thought that, hey, it's just all life. I'm just... I got to deal with life along the way and I'm going to deal with it one step at a time. And if I keep at it and keep at it and keep at it, next thing you know, I'm there. And it, it worked for us. It just, I, it's, it's just when it was a huge undertaking, I'm sure it, most people would look at it and go, Whoa, I'm, this is crazy stuff takes a lot of time, a lot of effort. It's going to be costly. I'm going to have to blah, blah, blah. Put up all kinds of obstacles. And we just reached a point where we thought, there's no more obstacles. We're not going to put this off any longer. You know, you're getting, getting to an age where, you know, it's going to just be harder every year to try and figure out how to pull it off. Let's do it now. And once we decided on it and we committed to doing it, there was nothing else to do but to, to see it through. Cool. You give us an idea of uh, you finished in Oregon, you ran into the ocean, but at some point you guys made your way back across America, back to Georgia. You had to recover, re-entry yeah. into real life, even though, as we know, the pandemic started about two or three months later, but, but what was that like? What was recovery like? What was just kind of re-entry to daily life like? Oh, wow. Is that, it, it was Are weird. Are you still recovering? I, <laughs> no, actually I'm okay. Uh, 
uh, yeah. Uh, it, it does sound I'm, like you're I'm still strong. processing, though. I mean, yeah. 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 You still, and that was the thing is that we were, we took our time. Uh, you know, we, we, we had friends that lived in Eugene, Oregon. So we visited with them for a few days and then we headed down the coast. We have uh, our niece and her husband and kids are in San Francisco. We visited there for a few days. So and we slowly this... drove through California and Nevada. And... But Pat, are you sore in these days? Like, are you, is your body like, I'm I'm, not, it's not, not running anymore and it's finally going to, or it's just fine. You're fine. Yeah. I, I'll tell you what, I felt it almost, I almost felt a little guilty because I wasn't running. <laughs> this, is, this is ridiculous. <laughs> it, it just, you know, I, I gotten so used to it that it just, I knew that I didn't have to run anymore, but, and I, and, and I didn't, I just, I pretty much stayed off my feet. Um, we, you know, we walked around a little bit here and there doing sightseeing, but I, I thought to myself, I don't have to run. It's just, it's so weird. You get, you get so used to it that it's it's almost as if i'm doing something wrong right now i should not i should be out there pounding away and uh so i got i didn't i didn't have any really it wasn't like i was dealing with exhaustion or i wasn't dealing with soreness of any kind i was just trying to deal with the with the fact that I had just done this. And that's all I, it was just trying to process it and say, you just ran across the country. So the emotional was recovery all, was, seems like it was far more difficult than the physical. Yes, yes. And if you ask any, like I said, if you ask anybody who's done something like this, they'll tell you it's all the, it's, it's more emotional than it is uh, physical that you're dealing with when you get back. That makes sense. But also running 3,400 plus miles and not being physically sore proves why you're like the most amazing runner I think <laughs> no. I'll ever meet. <laughs> no, no, again, I, this was something I trained my body to do. If you decided to do something like this and you said, I'm gonna do 15 miles a day because I know if I do 15 miles a day, I won't be sore at the end. I'll, you would do it. I mean, it's basically, I just looked at it as what could I do? How far could I run without getting sore, without really wearing myself out? I got all day, nothing else to do. Yeah. I see one of the things I learned on my bike trip is I, when I was on my bike, I would ride all day long. And all of a sudden I put in a hundred miles. Most people look at a hundred miles on a bicycle and go, wow, that's great. I'm like, but it, you're trying to do it in a short amount of time, like once a month or once a year or something. I'm doing it every day because that's my job. That's what I do. I have nothing else to do. Right. All I have to do is run. That's it. People dig ditches all day long. I'm running. <laughs> You know, that's what I do. 
you know, so it, it seems like it's going to really wear on me physically, but I, 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 I did it at such a pace where it didn't, it wasn't that kind of thing where it just really wore me out. I, if I, if I was in a race and they said, well, you have to run 50 miles a day. Well, that's a whole different thing. I, I would have to train differently for it. And I probably would really feel the physical pain. And I could do the same amount, 3,470 miles. But if I ran 50 miles a day, I'd probably really would be paying for it in the end. Sure. But I had gave my, but doing it by just 30 miles a day, it allowed me to go back. I, when I got back to the RV, I'd have dinner, I'd take a shower, I'd get cleaned up, I'd go lay down, I'd fall asleep, and I'd wake up in the morning and I'm ready to go. I didn't feel like it, it was tearing at me. And that's probably because I had already done a lot of this work previously. Sure. You know, the bike ride was a huge help in that. It's just understanding what I can do and what I can't do. Yes, but you had a 30-year break from the bike ride to this. <laughs> yes, I know. But that break didn't disappear in my head. Right. I learned what, you know, okay, don't be afraid. I was really afraid before I went on that bike trip. I had a friend that I was going with who was a great cyclist. And I knew all I have to do is stay with him. If I'm with him, I'm going to be okay. But he didn't but finish. After a, while, after a while on that trip, I, I, drove, I rode 60% of that trip alone. Yeah. Because I, after a while, you learn like, okay, I can do this. This isn't, this isn't impossible. There was one day I rode, we rode 230 miles in one day. It was because we were in Texas and we... And it was raining in the morning and my friend Dave said, I don't want to put up my tent in the, uh, in all this mud and water. And I was so pissed off at the time. I said, well, okay, well, we'll just ride all night then. And, he's, and he came back and said, okay, let's ride all night. So we didn't camp out. We just rode and rode. We rode all night long. And next morning, 230 miles later, <laughs> We're finishing up, but it was it, it it was at a point where we're we're looking at it as this is what we're doing with our lives. This is this you get used to it when you're out there. You don't you don't think about oh my gosh this is too much for me physically. You've already you've already done all this training. All you have to do is trust what you've done. If you trust what you've done, this is all going to work out. If it doesn't, you, you will know ahead of time. It'll, it'll happen. But um, you've run a marathon. You know you can run another marathon, right? You uh, see, <laughs> you know. If you, if you didn't know you could run another marathon, you wouldn't have signed up for the next one. So I, I know that once you do something, it sinks in. And if you do it many times, it becomes part of who you are. 
And that's all I was trusting. I just trusted that if I do the right thing and I keep just following what I can do, I'll be okay. I wasn't trying to, I wasn't trying to set a record. I wasn't trying to do anything so abnormal that my body couldn't handle it. I just did what my body allowed me to do. I trained it to do a certain thing and it, it was able to do it. And the only way to I can explain that is I've seen other people do it. And so if they can do it, I I'm just going to go ahead and see if I can do it. And that's why I believe anybody can do it because there's nothing spectacular about me physically. Okay. Nothing. You know, when I was a little kid, if you would have picked kids to be on your baseball team or your basketball team, I was one of the last kids to get picked. I was not considered an athlete, any shape or form, but I loved athletics. I loved playing sports. And that's how I ended up being a runner. Not because I was good at it. It was because I just loved it. I just, I love running. You could put me on a treadmill. You could put me in the, on a street. You can put me on a trail. I don't care. I love to run. Uh, and so after I've had all kinds of experiences running. Sometimes I've had good ones. Sometimes I've had bad ones, but every run's a good run. Every run. So every, I'm just doing what I'm supposed to do. It's part of who I am. It's, it's, I'm a runner. And so when someone says, do you want to run? I'm like, yeah, let's go run. Now you may have to run really slow because <laughs> I've trained myself to run slow. But if you want to run, go out and run 20 miles slow, I'm there. You know, you want to run 30 miles, I'm, I'm there. I've never gotten to run 20 miles slow with you. Yeah, well, <laughs> you can now because <laughs> I've trained myself to be, it's really different. But, you know, I'm 67 years old. You know, I was, I was 64 when I started that run across the United States and I, finished after my 65th birthday. I knew I wasn't going to be able to run it fast. My speed days are 15 years ago. So I knew what I'm capable of. It's one of the beauties of having it done it later, later in life is I know what, you know, what my potential is and what, you know, how fast can you go? How slow can you go? How far can you go? I've done, I've learned all that. It just took time. And I've, I've spent 45 years doing, it, learning it. So that's the, that's the beauty of doing it when you're old. See, you're not going to get faster, but you sure will get more mileage. That's for sure. Endurance is in everybody. Speed is not. Speed is a, a gift. Not everybody has speed. I don't have any speed now for sure. But endurance, everybody's got endurance. That's, 
that's a given. Um, all I did was use my endurance. Other people decide not to. That's the difference between me and most people. Cool. That's all. It's I'm, I'm willing to go out there and use it. All right, Pat, I have two more questions for you. And we appreciate you all spending right. so much time for us. Um, the first one is, you know, Michelle mentioned that that 30 year break. And, and so you had mentioned that you did an Ironman in 1989. And then you said yeah. you got um, sort of involved in the other aspects of your life, which which happens with a lot of folks. And, and you yeah. sort of push this aside, but you didn't by any stretch, stop doing things. You didn't stop competing. No. You didn't, you didn't, uh, you didn't quit running and just, you know, you know, gain 70 pounds. Um, you, you kept competing. Um, and somewhere along the way there around 2011, you did something that inspired Michelle and I, and I dare say all of our listeners want to know what that was. 2011. You want to know how he got me to run a marathon in 2011? Yes. I want to know know what was going on, what it was that Pat was doing in his life at that time, what he was training for, what, what his, his outlook was, what his, all of that, that somehow then roped in one Michelle Frank uh, and inspired her to become a runner who is now a co-host on a podcast about running. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Well, first of all, I was already a runner. Let's just, yeah. I just hadn't run a marathon. Right. So I, 2011, okay. Uh, now I, 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 all right, let me help them out a bit. There's yeah. a, a running group. They met for like right. 25 years, Tuesday, yes. Thursday, Sunday mornings. Yes. I came yes. in 20 years after these guys have been running. A friend introduced me. Literally, it's me my friend, Tony, Nicole DeMoss sometimes. And then everybody else is 20 plus years older than us. Everybody's old like Pat. Right. (laughs) So, but in that year, 2010, that whole group had sort of decided to run the New York City Marathon together. Like, didn't Debbie DeMoss run it? Like everybody ran this race. Terry, Bill. So everybody would meet Tuesday, Thursday, and Pat wouldn't come on the weekdays, but then we'd all meet on Sunday. And I was like hooked to those Sunday runs. I mean, it was a group of 10 people that would meet at Ansley Mall at 5.30. And yes, it was 12 miles, then it was 14, then it was 16, then it was like 20 miles. And we'd go through Kirkwood and Pat would meet us. And and then everybody went to New York to run a marathon. And Pat was like, this is so ridiculous. You're trained for a marathon. Like find a marathon. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Use your endurance, Michelle. (laughs) Yeah, it's... See, I think the thing is, is that it, you you were you were unsure of yourself, even though you really loved running. I could tell that that was easy. Everybody knew that you loved to run. The big thing was, is that because you've never, you know, done this before, you're thinking these people are different. They're they're a different breed. They don't. I don't know if I fit in first of all they're older (laughs) but second of all they're running this huge distance that i've never done before and it sounds so so far so different and and i gotta admit you know for me i didn't i didn't see that uh that you were different i just saw it is like you just haven't 
you haven't been there yet, but yet I knew that you could do it. That was simple. It was just a matter of getting you to believe it enough to sign up and show up at the, at the start of the race. And then once you got moving, you were going to finish no matter what. That was, that, I could see that, that that's always been a part of what you were is you were a marathon runner. You just didn't, you just didn't realize it. So that's where it, I think things may have changed for you because that first marathon at Callaway Guards, when you were done, it was like lights went off. It was like, boom, you could see it in your face. Things had changed. It was a whole different you then after that. It was, it was, it was great to be there. I'm so glad that I got to be there um, because I thought, man, you, you're doing so well all the way through. You were just clicking right along. It was like you were determined to see it all the way to the end. It was, it was impressive. You ran better than I did on my first marathon. <laughs> I've had some missteps since then. <laughs> Don't worry. Well, we all have. That's part of the beauty of running. You know, that's just part of the beauty. You know, you just, you know, missteps along the way, that's, that's all part of it. But it, as you've gone on, you've continued to become a better and better runner. It's, it shows all the time. I keep up with it, your Instagram account. <laughs> <laughs> that that uh that story was actually even better than I thought it was going to be. So thank you for that, Pat. I appreciate it. Um, and the last thing, so you you talked here about the training that you did in order to get ready for for um the big event for your crossing. Um, and the question that we always ask people here when we have them on the most pleasant exhaustion podcast um, to talk about their athletic feats is what their favorite workout is. And so I'm going to ask you, Pat, what is your favorite workout? But I'm going to encourage you to really contextualize your favorite workout in such a way that you might give us hints to the way that you trained for this massive undertaking in general. Well, I, I guess my, if I was going to be very, Frank about my favorite workout. It has to be a long run. It always has to be. <laughs> I, I'm sure. And that's, and that, and that's, but that's been part of it. Okay, since in 1990, I started running up here in the mountains because I wanted to do Western states. And I would meet with a group of people and we would go into the Kahutta wilderness. And we would just run all day long. And we'd stop and have a little lunch, you know, some kind of sandwich or something. And then we'd go back and we'd continue to run until the evening. And then we'd drive all the way and we'd get something to eat. And that those runs, anytime I somebody would say, you're going to run long this weekend, I'd say, oh, yeah, I'm going. I just getting out there and getting moving and just having all day to just enjoy, you know, being with people and being out there in the woods was the greatest thing. 
but I even now you I go out for usually on Sundays I go out for like a four hour run and there's a road down here that I go on mainly because the hardly any cars go down that road so I'll go out and run on that road and I'll just mosey along for four hours I'm not worried about how far I'm going how fast I'm going I'm just going to mosey along and that's like the best thing in the world is being out there, just going for a nice, easy, long run. I can do that. You know, that's, that's got to be my favorite workout. Uh, I will say, though, I really need to do a lot more speed work. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell when I go off and I really want to run a race or something. And then I'm like, whoa, I'm way here in the back. <laughs> I, gotta, I gotta do some more speed work. <laughs> I kind of miss that part, but I, um, you know, it's it is what it is. I'm just I'm I'm just happy that my legs still move. Um, Pat, have you missed a strolling gym in like the last few decades? It's the the forty mile race. I, I, yeah. Yes, uh, I actually am not doing it anymore. Oh, you're not. I was this I did the first it for year. Thirty one. So I did it for 31 years. Wow, it's amazing. Yes. Uh, last year, it got to be a question of whether they were going to do it or not. And then they decided, well, the, it was kind of a weird thing. They decided to do it, but with only 30 or so people, and you had to live within a 100-mile radius, which I don't. Yeah, that's right. And so they, I kind of got cut out of that race. And so my streak got ended. And I thought, well, perfect place to end then. Sure. So, um, so yes, 31 years in a row, I had strolling gym. It's just amazing. Yeah. Very I, cool. I had over 32 32 or 33 years of Atlanta marathon before they cut that race out. Yeah. We talked about that a little bit last week. I told everybody I previewed your coming attraction. Oh, okay. <laughs> yes. I, <laughs> I did that race for till they cut it out and then they left me hanging. And then you did one more, didn't you? When you weren't supposed to. <laughs> yeah. I, I doubled up on the last, on the, on the, half marathon yeah. yeah do you have any other current ongoing streaks my okay so i when i birthday? first started running marathons um i decided i really like to see myself as a marathon runner and i i came to the conclusion that i'll be healthy if I can run a marathon every year, at least one marathon a year until I'm a hundred. And then after that, I'll consider cutting back to half marathons. Oh, I stopped then, man. So <laughs> since 1978, I've run at least one marathon every year. And uh, I'm planning on doing that when I'm a hundred years old. So cool. got 33 more years. Awesome. Pat. Thank you for being with us. 
Well, thanks for having me. I really enjoyed it. I I, I know I kind of ramble sometimes and I I don't know if I make complete sense. Oh no, you're great. I, I, great. I, I love talking about running. So uh, anytime you want to talk about running, whether it's a podcast or not, I'm always available. Awesome. Very good. Very good. Thanks again for listening to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash pleasantpodcast, on Twitter at pleasantpodcast, or on Instagram, Most Pleasant Exhaustion. We're available on Stitcher, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify, so share us with your friends. Don't forget that we're sponsored by ITL Coaching and Performance, who you can find at itlcoaching.com, on Twitter at itlcoaching, on Facebook at facebook.com slash itlcoachingperformance, and on Instagram, itlcoaching. We're also sponsored by Blue Pineapple Travel, bluepineappletravel.com, facebook.com slash bluepineappletravel, and on Instagram, bluepineappletravel. And finally, don't forget we're sponsored by SlayRx. That's slayrx.com, facebook.com slash here for SlayRx. That's the number four, SlayRx. Twitter, at official SlayRx. And Instagram, here for SlayRx, the number four, SlayRx. Discount code PLEASANT21. On behalf of Michelle Frank, Patrick Ollinger, and Eric Hall, I'm George Darden. Thanks for listening to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. See you next time.